It is Tuesday, September 6th, the Big Sports Breakfast, Sky Sports Radio. Very good morning to you if you're just tuning in and uh, just watching the Ks, the special Ks, Kokonakis and Kyrgios up a break in the first set against their opponents in round three of the doubles, uh, 4-2. Uh, they're up, of course. Nick is the favourite now in the men's singles to win the US Open after a four-set win yesterday against Daniel Medvedev. Yes, imagine, imagine if he wins the singles and these and the boys win the doubles. Oh, can you imagine? Have to be an open bus tour back in Australia. <laughs> ticket tape parade. Ticket tape parade. <laughs> Thousands lining the airport when he gets back in. Oof. Nicky boy. Do you reckon that'll knock him around, though, in terms of his... Quest for a singles title. The fact that he's playing doubles. Play doubles. Yeah. Fatigue? Yeah. Maybe. He's pretty... Because you talk to you know, Roger all the time about how recovery is so important in tennis. and You'd like They to... like to play yeah. and have that rest and not play long games because it takes it out of them in the back end of the tournament. So You'd like to know. think in your prime when you're at your fittest. Yeah. Yeah. Just means he doesn't have to go and train today. Like yeah, him playing in, in training, he wouldn't be doing much the following day. No, what fair. I'm saying is, if he instead of him going and training for singles today, yeah, he's got a game of doubles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but like you're, you're training the day after a game is more chilled, chilled. Yeah, it? than like playing just a little bit of a hit yeah. trying to find rhythm. Whereas this is a bit more intense. He looks in good nick though. He does look fit, curious. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like even watching, I saw a bit of yesterday. He looked. Mate, across the court, he looks sharp. He's got his I'll power. You, he look, looks good. I'll tell you, he looks good. And I, I take a bit of notice of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like to see blokes look after themselves. Yeah. Kokonakis at the moment, have you seen the size of He's his arms? Guns. Guns, doesn't he? His arms yesterday. He had the Metallica mm. shirt on, I think. Mm. Looking ripped. And it was something that I probably possibly Was it a singlet you know? or? Oh, it wasn't a singlet. It was a muscle shirt, though. Okay. But he just had the big guns hanging out. Mm. He, he looked good. And I'll tell you what it made me do. Go, Go to, to the gym, gym in the afternoon oh, and do some curls. curls. <laughs> As you do. As of course you, do. you do. Curls for the girls, boys. Mm. Curls for the girls. Yeah, I'm not a curler. Maybe You're not? Maybe that's my problem. Maybe I've got to get the arms. I don't think you need to do curls, pup. Why? I think you're I need okay the girls. in that stakes. Curls for the girls, you reckon? No, I, th- I think, I think you, you're going okay. I'm doing my best. Better than Mido and I. Well, not sh- don't be fooled by me, though. Don't be Oh, I know. Fooled. I know. I know. Anyone that does shoot shield Mate, ladies, ladies day, day circuit, yeah, exactly. you've got to worry about them. Don't be. He's a busy man. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he's hard to get. Put it that way. Yeah, right. He's I, quite I busy. It's news to me. He's always got an appointment on. Yeah. he's. Oh, mate, you want to do lunch? Oh, I've got something. Oh, do you want to do dinner? Oh, I've got Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, can I book something in for three months' time? Mm. And... <laughs> And I haven't asked yet, but something must be brewing. What do you mean? He's got the haircut. Yeah, I did see that yesterday. Uh, yeah, you gone short too. Prep. What, prep What's the prep what? for? Mm, yeah, great you, question. You, you You've tell got us. something coming up. You tell what. us, buddy. You I needed tell a us. haircut. I got a haircut. It's not no, there's a reason why you get a haircut. <laughs> Don't get angry. <laughs> If I, do you want me to walk off? Do you want me to leave? Don't get angry. No, Have you got anything to share with us? <laughs> Absolutely zero. He went back home on the weekend. Yeah, he went back to God's country. Oh. Seems to be going yep. back home consistently of late. Consistently? <clears throat> old it's school. the first time we've been home for old, four months. Old, old school friend? <laughs> old school friend, is it? Gosh, you're worse than Dave Stan. Yeah. It was a great <laughs> omen there at Queenbean yesterday. Don't change the subject. King Gutho. Gutho's <laughs> happy to keep talking about you and your old school friend. Don't worry about that. King Gutho <laughs> getting the chocolates at Queenbean. 
And uh, Gutho, morning to you, mate. I'm sure you were very well told about this. Yeah, um, I actually got told at the launch yesterday that I was racing um, and forgot to get on it, so that was disappointing, but um, it's a good omen, so we'll see what happens. Uh, Now, out of last Thursday night and, uh, you know, outstanding performance, uh, tell tell us, I want to take us through the thought process and the instinct you had with that long ball that you threw to Mike Acevo, because, gee, that was good to watch. Um, Yeah, I don't know, to be honest. I just picked it up for dummy half and... Um, I was just going to take a hit up and uh, try and get a quick play of the ball to kick off the back of and I uh, just skipped across field and, um, yeah, I don't know, just, just threw it to him and saw a bit of space and threw it to him and um, that's all you need to give him, just a half a chance and he'll make him pay and that's what he did. But, um, look, it was just probably more luck on my end, but great, great finish from Micah. Why do you feel, Gutho, that you better place this Eels side, this final series, compared to previous to have a run at the Premiership? Uh, I think just coming in with a bit of confidence that last year we, we sort of stumbled in. I think we won one or two of, of seven or eight games leading into the finals and um, we've probably put our, our best three performances back-to-back um, in a long time. And, uh, look, we're just, we're just excited. We're just looking looking forward to the opportunity. And, um, look, this is the best time of year to be playing. It's, um, this is where you want to be. It's the Battle of the West. It doesn't get any bigger. And uh, we're just looking forward to the challenge. We've just got to go out there and, and not have any regrets and, and play the footy we want to play. And um, if things go wrong, things go wrong. But we have to go out there and, and um, just just play the footy we want to play and, and want to play that footy for 80 minutes. Yeah, you found form at the right time, Guffo, as a group. And that's what you need coming into finals. Bit of momentum and your best players available. And, and you've got that at the moment. I'm really keen to know, in your review, what did you focus more on? Did you focus more on the 65 minutes where you were outstanding or the 15 minutes at the end of the game where you fell away a touch? Um, the 65 minutes were good. Um, that, we, we sort of spoke about both, but um, it was what we can do and, and how we do it. And um, I think with that game, there was a lot on the line for both teams. And uh, we went after the game, played the footy we wanted to play. And uh, for, yeah, for 70 minutes of that game, we were pretty dominant and, and um, we, we were really good. We did exactly what we wanted to. And, um, look, it, it was disappointing to let him back in there, but um, that's the way it went. And it just starts again this week for us, and we're looking forward to it. Gutho, what do you expect from the Panthers? I've said in the last week or so, I was surprised they rested so many um, players. You, you know better than most. Will these boys have any rust in the system, do you think, the Panthers boys? No, nah, not at all. We did it last year, and um, we we didn't finish first. We I think we'll come in sixth, and we couldn't have moved from six. So uh, Brad rests a lot of us, and uh, a bit of rest at this time of the year is, is massive. So uh, they're going to come ready to go. Uh, they get um, Cleary back, and and Jerome had had one game there, so uh, they're going to be fresh. They're going to be um, coming out there ready to go. And, Look, we're, we're ready for that. We're ready for the challenge, and we're really looking forward to it. What about Nathan Cleary? He hasn't played footy for five weeks. Do you think he's the type of player that that makes no difference? He walks onto that field and he's at his best, or is that an opportunity for Parra to, I guess, target him and put him under pressure and, and make him feel you know, like he hasn't had that game time? Um, yeah, it could go both ways. He, he's obviously a quality player and been playing for a long time. Um, he's going to be doing everything possible to make sure he doesn't miss a beat, but... You just never know. It's five weeks is a long time in footy, and um, we're going to go out there and try and make it hell for him. But uh, look, they're, they're a quality team. They're going to be uh, ready to go, and 
um, out there at their home ground. We're really looking forward to it. So um, just exciting times, and we can't wait to get out there. Your front rowers have been excellent, Guther. Yep, outstanding. Um, I think since that since that um, South game where Brad challenged them publicly and um, really went after them and, and said they they got bullied through the middle, um, uh, I think I think they've responded the right way. And, and since that 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 sort of challenge from Brad, they've they've been great. They've been dragging people along with them, and uh, they're not leaving anything unturned. They're they're playing the footy they want to and that we need them to. And I think they've been the difference for us at the moment with Junior. Uh, Junior just playing footy and uh, running hard, and that's what we need him to do. But uh, we need him to go to another level on the weekend. And uh, look, yeah, I, I'm talking about it. I'm getting excited. So we can't wait to get out there. And I read that Para fans are finding ways to snap up tickets for the match in enemy territory. But how do you feel overall, Gutho, with you know, a lot of talk this week about you know, home ground advantage and whether in the finals that we need to utilise the bigger venues that we do have. Do you have an opinion on it? Oh, obviously you'd rather play um, in front of the massive crowds, but um, then again, as a Penrith, if I was in Penrith's shoes, I wouldn't want to move it either. They've worked hard for the home ground and um, look, you, you, you're going out there to win and the best the best advantage is having a home ground advantage. So, um Look, I, I love it. I love going to those stadiums where there's, you can hear every single person screaming at you. And I'm sure the Cowboys will hear all the Sharks fans screaming at them as well. So uh, I think it's great. And um, look, as a player, you, that's where you want to be playing if that's your home ground. So um, look, I'm all for the big big crowds and big stadiums as well. But um, look, the little grounds where, where that you can hear every little sledge, it's, um, look, they're, they're fun games and you want to be a part of them. What is it about Parramatta that's matched up against Penrith so well this year? You know, you've beaten them twice already. What is it that you've done in those games that, that have got you the victory? I think just the footy we play and we want to play is the, the fast running, hard running, um, offloading, uh, that type of footy. That That's the style we, we want to play. And um, we have played against them twice this year. And the games we've lost, we've, we've gone away from that. We've probably shied away from the footy we want to play. And... Um, yeah, we, we just want to go out there and, and, and play that. I think, I think you've said it before, Loz, that that's our best footy when we go out there and, and chance our hand and um, ju- just, just play the game. And uh, that's what we're going to try to do. And um, we'll, we'll train again tomorrow and then all the prep's done. And you just go out there and enjoy it. Yeah, and see, I, I like that style of footy too. And I know you've got to have people to, to do it. But if, you, if you're playing footy and you're playing a game that's exciting, I think... I think you get players to buy into it a bit more. And it, once they see it works, you, you build confidence off the back of that. And I'm a, just a big believer in that Parramatta, if, it, it, it's not about completion rate for them. It's about what they do with the football. And if their completion rate, I know coaches talk about it, but I reckon if Parramatta are around 75%, rather than an 85% playing a completion-based game, I, I think they worry teams more playing the way they do than worrying about 85% completion with just holding it and kicking it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think this style of footy just suits you to the ground. Yeah, exactly. We speak about that as well. It's, it's the mistakes you play in footy you, you can live with. If, you, if people make them, you live with them and you just got to have his back and defend the next couple of sets and get back in the game. It's the it's the simple um, the, the simple handling errors that, that you can't live with. And, and we seem to make those when we're, when we're shying away from the game and, and not trying to play our game footy. So uh, we're just going to have no regrets um, this this final series, and we're going to do everything we can to to go out there and, and play the game we want to.
And Garth, they this Penrith side. I mean, it's the side that knocked you out last year. Eight six, controversial circumstances. Uh, you know, they're the darlings of the NRL the last what three years really. I mean, do you hate them? Do you tell us what you really Jeez, think? You want this? Oh, you? I, I want you hate. Want you want hatred? Yeah, you yeah, do. Bring oh, no, it you on. Lo- you love this. Like, do you, are they arrogant? No. Up themselves. <laughs> uh, they're, 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 they're confident because they they can be. They're, they've been the best, as you said, the best team for the last three years. And um, look, last year in the semi, we we got close to them, but we we obviously weren't good enough. And um, look, yeah, we're we're really looking forward to the challenge and uh, what's ahead. And there should be eighteen thousand uh, fans out there with a couple of heads that are looking forward to the challenge as well. So uh, we're we're really ready to go, and uh, we can't wait. I wonder if the bloke who texts in about all your great traits feels the same way about the Panthers' loss. What did he call, oh, what did he call me? Um, what was it? Shallow. Shallow. Shallow was one. Yeah. Arrogant. Uh, arrogant. It was jealous. 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 Was yeah. <laughs> he had me covered, Gutho. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how did your first Father's Day play out, by the way? Um, it was all right, actually. She was she was pretty sick from Thursday to, um, to yesterday. So, um, oh, awesome. Other than that, it was, it was great. <laughs> no sleep for four days, but um, unreal. I think it um, brought in fatherhood pretty good. Yeah, awesome prep. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, "How's your training? The boys fit? Life good? Not having slept for four nights? The daughter's been up crying and throwing up." <laughs> well, I tell you, life is good. Well, oh, you, did you see that Penrith? They paid fifty thousand dollars for that charter flight. Couldn't leave. What the night of after the game because of the weather, too much fog or the weather or something. So they had to leave the next morning. 50000 not well spent. Mm, Gutho, on that note, good luck, mate. Enjoy. Huge game. Can't wait to see it. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. Clark is questioning the uh, type of private plane. Oh, what are they going for? The little <laughs> double propeller four-seater? Mate, I reckon, I reckon people fly from Townsville to Sydney. How many legs are there? There's two a day. Two flights that, a day. Like, you know, How's a charter a flight? Man, it's not a helicopter. Don't you just like take off and then just put it on autopilot anyway? Well, it's the yeah. visibility, isn't it? <laughs> Doesn't it reduce the visibility for the None pilot? None of us are qualified. Mate, to be about this. I reckon they've gone the double propeller, eight seater, three to a seat, sitting in each other's lap. Well, I'd rather the pilot make that decision of not taking off. No, I'm not. In, I'm, in yeah, the, I'm, no, no. I'm. Agree, of course, I agree with yeah. you. But what I'm questioning is, okay, they paid fifty grand for the private plane. Yeah, that's money down the drain. Now they've got to book a new <laughs> flight to get home. Now they've got to book accommodation. It's a costly little experience. And and you and you sent your third eleven. I'm sure they got mm. their best players the next morning. I'm yeah. sure. Insurance, mate. Their best players <laughs> didn't even go. Why do they need a charter flight home? <laughs> They're at uh, home on the couch. Coaches had to get back, mate. Coaches had to get for what? And instead of back. going to oh Kingston Smith, straight yeah, anyway. into Bankstown. All I know yeah. is Penrith, they got plenty. Your home. they got plenty of cash to spend. I like it. Go, mm. go Panthers. Go Panthers. Uh, How now, much do you get if you win the grand final? Well, 200 oh. grand if you win the premiership, I think it is. There you go. Grand. You got 50. You got, well, they probably spent 80. Oh, you're saying they're going to win? Well, I'm saying they're taking the risk. They obviously think they're going to win. They just blew 80. <laughs> they only got 120 to play with. <laughs> Come out in front. Yeah. Um, we've got plenty of like um, handyman stories here. Hey, boys, if you're in a new relationship with a girl and you want to see if it will last, go shopping at Ikea and buy and put together some flat packs. That will test any relationship. Man. Yes, it will, says Duckman. Oh. I'll tell you um, the one we had one day, Mido. We went down to Jervis Bay, and I think there's a place called Green Patch. This is going back oh, 
15, 20 years. Kids were really young. And um, <laughs> we bought this new tent. So we're putting up the tent. So you lay it all out. Oh, Anyhow, I'm there. And you know, when there's people around, you know, other mm. campers. And they're just sort of, they're sitting there having their beer. And I didn't know any of them. And Michelle and I were doing it. And she goes, you got to do it like this. And I'm sort of half getting shitty with her going, no, well, I know what I'm doing, you know. And I didn't have a clue. And I kept on stuffing up. And she kept on trying to tell me. You were wrong? Well, yeah, well, I was wrong. Anyhow, we had a bit of a blues. So she's, she said, right, I'm finished. I'm walking away. And Ted said, this tent, it should have been 15 minutes max to put up. Because she walked away and I had no one else to help, help me, I was there for another hour. Oh, no. And I still had no idea. And the bloke from the next tent finally said, <laughs> and I was, I was that embarrassed, yeah. and I'm making out I'm sort of taking phone calls, like just buying myself time to the show. And I was getting that embarrassed, and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know how to put the tent up. These people are sitting around looking at me, oh, staring. So, so then he goes, oh, mate, you need a hand. I said, oh, mate, I think I'll be right. But no, that'll be good if you kill it. Yeah, but if you can do it all for me. So he comes over and, mate, he puts it up in about 10 minutes. Oh, what a genius. And you pretended you were on the phone. Well, mate, I had to. Oh, my God. I had to pretend and then, you know, I was, I was oh, looking dear. for... Oh, it just, it just went pear-shaped. Yeah. And I honestly, I was getting that embarrassed. But she, oh. Michelle knew what to do. I didn't. But, but didn't I made out because I saw people watching us and I didn't want them to know that I didn't know. I reckon they know very, now. Oh, yeah. They'd be telling that story. I hope you bought old mate a couple of beers. Yeah, I had a few beers with you, Max. Yeah, mm. good. Uh, hey, boys, I've had to do the build a trampoline thing on Christmas Day. The mother-in-law shows up with it in the afternoon. Oh. I'm full of two is new. Oh, it's 38 degrees. No. The kid and the dog are going mad. What a circus, but it's still standing. Cheese walnuts. That's a disaster right Sending there. that one How through. bad is it? Why do people do that as well with Christmas presents or birthday presents? They they see it built in the shop and think this is a great idea for your child, for their grandkid or whatever it is, and it comes in a box. It <laughs> takes you all of Christmas Day to put it together. Yeah, Just yeah. either buy it already built or just get something simple. Yeah, it's not a fun Christmas Day. It's not a day. fun Christmas Mate. Day, no. yeah. uh, morning. And, it, and everyone's got... Um, yeah, the theory on how to put it together and, no. mate, I know what to do. And put Everyone this else is drinking and, and you're that. stuck putting yeah. it together oh, yeah. for half the day. Yeah, not good. Not good. Uh, Duffy says, morning boys, One, I remember one Christmas Eve, me and my sons had to put up a trampoline and swing set, waited for the kids oh. to go to sleep, so we had a few beers, come two o'clock in the morning, we had half the swing set up, <laughs> Mrs. said hurry up, <laughs> we didn't finish it, so we were told not to set up anymore, now the Mrs. puts things together, <laughs> says uh, well Duffy. Well played, well played. Oh. We're a bad breed, aren't yeah, we, man? Oh. Just can't do anything. Um, how do you boys yeah. go putting in a kid's car seat? No matter how tight you get it, oh. the wife always wants it tighter. Impossible how true. task. How true. Shout or it's out, not safe. Shout out to the Canberra Brave. Yeah. Noodles from Canberra. Yeah. Uh, my mum had a list of jobs on the fridge that read 10 jobs for to do now before he dies. They're separated now. <laughs> he did nine. Didn't want to finish it because another list would have gone up, says Cowboy <laughs> from Hell, sending that one through. Uh, what else do they have here? Clarky on my way to the airport and can see Les shaking his head this morning. Yeah, Gleeso from the South Coast. He's not happy with me, Dad, in regards to 
handyman status. He knows I'm hopeless. He's, yeah, wouldn't be proud of me at all when it comes to that stuff. Now, where are we with Kyrgios Nadal? It is TFO, uh, Kyrgios Nadal, TFO Nadal. Uh, Francis Tifo, the American 22nd seed, is two sets to one up against Nadal. But Nadal has a break in the fourth set, a set he needs to win to send it to a decider. They've been on court for just over three hours. Now, Kyrgios and Kokonakis won the first set 6-3 in their third-round doubles match against the 11th seeds. And it is 4-3 on serve in the second set at this point. Stacks of text here about uh, some assembly jobs. Um, where's this unicycle one? Mitch and Robertson. Boys, I had to put a bike together on Christmas Eve when I was full as a boot. In the end, my three-year-old got a unicycle off <laughs> <laughs> um, What else have we got here? Uh, Dad, Why do we think drinking alcohol <laughs> makes it easier for us? Oh, can't do it sober, but we think we can do it yeah, blind. Yeah. We'll and, normally, and normally with lights off. <laughs> bit of courage. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, and, Dad and I put together a trampoline Christmas Eve, got full, successfully put it together, but couldn't get it through the garage door. Had to pull it apart and rebuild oh, it on the grass, says Marty no. from Canberra. Disaster. Hey, boys, put a swing together, swing set together. Christmas Eve when the kids went to bed, carton of beer and a thousand mozzie bites later. <laughs> we had the job done. Next morning, daughter goes out, all smiles, jumps on the two-person swing, <laughs> and it wouldn't move. <laughs> it was locked by the wrong bolts. Jumped on normal swing chain, wasn't done up. Looked at me and said, Dad, Santa doesn't know how to build swings, <laughs> says Mark at Newey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey boys, my parents got me a trampoline for Christmas when I was about eight. After a few drinks, they decided to build it on Christmas Eve. When finished it, they realised they put the mat upside down and only just finished it before I woke up. Josh Dalmini posting. What is the common denominator in all those? Exactly what you said. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can't do it sober, but we can definitely uh, uh, do it blind and in the dark. I reckon everyone has done that at some point. Mm. With a present around Christmas time, tried to put it up and stuffed it. Oh, Definitely. stuffed it big time! But you sit there and admire your work. That's the other thing I like when you finish, even though you got parts still missing. <laughs> you sit there and go, "Yeah, that looks all right. Yeah, I've done a good job. I've done a good job." Four extra screws just sitting there. Going, nah, they'll just extras. <laughs> they'll be right. They'd no one will know. They just put hide those them. in as extras in case you lose <laughs> <lost> something. <laughs> but what about when you have to assemble like a bed? Don't, I don't. It, when there's, yeah, when I'm not there's, going to. You know, screws that no. you see there, and you clearly haven't put one in. You're <laughs> yeah. like, this is going to end very badly. <laughs> How long is it going to last? Oh, you anyway, bang. we better talk some cricket now. And uh, glad to be joined by, well, former New Zealand cricketer. We've had him on the show before, and he's the chief executive at Cricket New South Wales, Lee Jamon. Lee, good morning to you. Good morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, really well, thanks. Nice to talk to you again. And uh, just curious, now that the Big Bash draft has been done and dusted, uh, what did you make of the format and how satisfied are the Thunder and Sixers in particular with what they got out of it? Uh, I think the the format for a start, I think, um, was great. Um, a, lo- a lot of the rationale around the draft was to build some momentum and interest in the Big Bash in a time of year that it hadn't previously. And I think in the build-up to the draft, we saw uh, three times as ma- uh, three times the amount of media coverage for the Big Bash than we'd seen previously. So I think in terms of the build-up 
to the draft that did a really good job. I think the draft itself would have been compulsive viewing for those who know the game. What um, what I think it did lack a little bit, and I think this is because of the way it was structured initially, was just some drama. Yeah, we, we weren't competing against other clubs, really. We weren't bidding against other clubs. It really was a draft rather than an auction. Um, and, and, of course, there's been some um, you know, narrative or talk about the players that missed out. I, I, I actually think that yeah, we've ended up with some very, very good T20 players and we had some, some constraints. So, so overall, I thought it was a, a pretty good start for the draft, to be honest. Uh, Lee, I, I, get the, I get the talk about cricket in, in prime-time footy season and, and, and I know how important and relevant that is, but are we not going to face the same dilemma with the BBL that we haven't got the big fish, the big internationals coming and playing? Because I feel even when you look at the, the platinum players through that draft, I think we worked out seven of them are retired from international cricket. So how do we find this balance where, yeah, we get the media attention that we want, but we can then provide a product that is of the highest standard with the best players playing? Well, yeah, uh, that, that's, a, that's a fair call because when you do look at even the players that missed out, Michael, when you look at Andre Russell and co., yeah. Um, you, you could argue that they're on the way down. Yeah, they're not They're not in their peak. They're not in their yeah. prime at all. Yeah, absolutely. The ones that we probably have missed out on are your Joss Butlers and Johnny. Yeah. Those um, who are... We know that you know, they have gone to uh, rival leagues. And this is one of, this is one of the real challenges and why the world of cricket is on, on a precipice of change. We're, we're up against the Emirates League and the South African League, which both have private investment and have both been able to attract some, some very high quality players that go up against us. So um, my, own, my own view, Mike, is that if we retain the status quo, mm. we are not going to be able to get those players that you talk of yep. for that reason. So we do need to change. If we want those, mm. we need to change something. And is that financially? Do you think that's the most important, well, not the most important thing, but do you think that's where the players, are, that's why they're going to the UAE or, or choosing the South African League over the BBL just because of the significant um, pay difference? Not only that, I think I think it's sort of a, a if you if you like it, it's a pay to view that it's a pay to play. Yeah. Um, so they've got shorter tournaments. You know, I think if we moved, um, you know, or if others moved, and we had a really clear BBL window up against the other the other leagues, that the players would would probably come here because we've got a lot going for us from a big bash perspective. The players love playing in the Australian stadiums in Australian conditions. Um, in Australian weather. <laughs> you know, there's a lot going for the big bash. Mm. Um, so it's a mix of, yes, we need to be very competitive on a financial front. And you know, we know the Emirates are paying 500000 US to, to at least one player in their squad um, for four weeks' work, whereas here, you know, $340,000, and although they can play half the games, it still doesn't quite stack up. Mm. So it's a, it's a mix, I think, of what the players would like. And look, Michael, I'm, I'm actually all in favour of the players having a major say in this because they are the ones deriving the value for everyone. What about from your perspective, buddy, from you know New South Wales cricket, and we, we got obviously Thunder and Sixers, are you, at a posi- are you in a position where you'd be happy to privatise the teams and franchise the team? Because to me it seems like, you look at the IPL, the reason the money's there is because you know they're privately owned. They, yep. They've got the money. It seems to me like Cricket Australia for good reason, want to hang on to this competition and keep it their own, but we're never going to be able to keep c- compete financially. No, and look, Cricket New South Wales has actually been you know, pretty strong and clear that we believe that private equity needs to be seriously looked at and considered. 
Um, my own view is that there's three there's three levels at which private equity, equity can come into cricket in our sport. And the first thing I would say is that there's this, a bit of this myth that you bring private equity or private investment into a sport and they take over. That's not the case. And you only need to look across the ditch at New Zealand rugby. Mm. Uh, Silver Lake have taken 6 to 8% stake in New Zealand rugby for about $200 million uh, for one seat around the table. Now, that, that's not ownership. That's not majority ownership, and it's not taking over. And in that deal, there's $60 million that goes into a legacy fund for um, grassroots rugby. And every provincial union is getting money as well. And the provincial unions look after the amateur side of the game principally. So the three levels that private investment or equity could come into our game is at the Cricket Australia level, which New Zealand Rugby has done. I mean, Cricket Australia is, is worth more than New Zealand Rugby, by the way. Um, at the Big Bash League level, so invest actually in the league, or at the club level. And I think it's at our... Oh, sorry, at the team level. Um, and at our team, at the team level, you're going to find that the possible investors would be your IPL clubs. Um, and I know through chatting to some of the IPL clubs that they would uh, put a bid in tomorrow. If we put the, the Sixers and the Thunder and every other big bash team on the market, yep. they'd be very interested in it. Um, and also the other myth, Michael, sorry to take up all the, all the uh, airways for the answer, no, myth is that the, these IPL owners want to dominate everything as well. well yeah, for they, sure. they, offer, they actually love cricket. Yep. And um, they're less likely to sell a team or a club than a private equity uh, partner is. So um, a long answer to your short question was that we seriously believe that it needs to be really considered. It may not be the panacea, but I, I struggle to see how we're going to be able to afford our game moving forward without really looking at it. Mm. Lee, when do you expect to know whether David Warner, Ken Captain, will be considered for leadership at the Sydney Thunder? Um, I don't. Well, I don't know. I'm not sure what's happening at board level machinations at Cricket Australia at the moment. The status is that uh, David's leadership ban still applies. Um, I know that it's, yeah, it's a Cricket Australia matter. Mm. I know that David is very keen to talk with them about it. Um, and obviously, if David was in the leadership mix, we'd be hugely interested. He's he's a leader, and uh, I think it's just fantastic that he's going to play for the Thunder and. Yeah, it is, but it's not, it's not meant to be glib. But um, if he's in the dressing room, even without a C next to his name, mm. he's going he's gonna to help people like Jason Sanger and Tanvir Sanger and Chris Green immensely anyway. What about Smitty, mate? Has he signed with the Sixers? No, he hasn't. Okay, no. How, how's that looking? Um, I, I don't think it's looking likely right now, Mike. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we tried to get Steve um, you know, to sign with us. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know what Steve is like as well. He's he's um, yeah he's reluctant to take a place on the list if it means someone else misses out, um, knowing that he he may not be able to commit his availability. And I think that just talks to the the spirit and the respect of Steve and what he has. So yeah, we're we're still really hopeful that when Steve gets through the test series, um, he's got a couple of weeks there between then and um, probably going to India. Um, that he'd still like to play some big bash. So, you know, Moses Enriquez is talking to him every day, mm. and we're really hopeful that Steve will still be in Sixers colours by the end of the big bash. So he's not talking about going and signing with a UAE team or South African League before that tour to India? I, I haven't heard any talk of that, okay. no. Uh, what did you make, Lee, of Trent Bolt and Colin de Gronholm recently mm. foregoing central contracts over there in New Zealand? Uh, to what extent do you believe this is the likely model for international players going forward, which is something that administrators such as yourself is going to be almost certainly dealing with? Yeah, it was interesting. Colin didn't let New Zealand cricket, though. <laughs> that was an interesting part. 
part of it. Uh, but that doesn't surprise me about Colin either. Uh, look, I, I, I've described it this way, that often um, for an indicator of where cricket is going in the world, look across the ditch at New Zealand. And I, I don't, I, yeah, I, I say that because um, New Zealand cricket often moves early in times like this. I think New Zealand cricket were one of the first countries to really open the window for their players to play IPL. The reason being that the New Zealand cricketers are not remunerated as well as other yeah. other countries. Yeah. So if you're looking at, at an indicator of what the world is going to look like, look at Trent Bolt and look at Colin de Grandhoek. Because I think the, the days of either free player agency or mixed contracts or hybrid arrangements is coming quicker than you think. Mm. And the, yeah, the players, sure. rightly so, are starting to say, well, you know, I should actually be comparing my earning ability, not necessarily to an AFL player in Australia, but almost to an NFL player in the States. Um, because you know, of, of what I can bring to the game and the amount of money that's in our sport globally. So I think it is a precursor to what is happening. And I think it's important that we stop treating players as tradable commodities and actually partner with them to find out how we can have our best players playing our best cricket. On that then, Lee, would you like to see the players still, if you're going to play for Australia, you need if you want to play Test cricket for Australia, then you need to be playing Sheffield Shield cricket for a state. If you want to play 2020 cricket for, for Australia, then you need to be a part of a, a BBL franchise. What's your take on that? I think it could be a mix. I think the, the four-day cricket and five-day cricket test matches is, 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 is imperative, Michael. And one of my fears is that the five-day test match is going to diminish. Oh. Um, we, you know, we, if there's one thing I would, I would love the ICC to do is if they're going to focus in on one area, it's five-day cricket. You know, because that's, that is the thing that differentiates our sport. It's the, it's the lifeblood of character within our sport. So you mean keep it keep or it, change yeah, it? Absolutely. No, no, no yes, you've got to keep it. Focus yeah, in agree. On, and if, agree. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't worry me if the ICC said we're not going to run any T20 international tournaments apart yeah. from a World Cup every two yeah. or three years. No, I've seen that. Certainly retain sanctity of Test mm. cricket. So I think you, you'll probably find there'll be a mixed model there. I think it, it's going to be... Um, important in terms of the discussions that we have with the players around you know, what they really want to play and how we can get them playing the most important games for us. Yeah, well said. Now, we've recently seen, Lee, the state's new $60 million Centre of Excellence open there at Sydney Olympic Park. How is it unique? Oh, how's it? Well, it's, it's, I think, the best cricket facility in the world. Um, and I've, I've been overseas recently, and, and, and Michael, you'll see deep some as the others on the show. Um and it's, it's probably the best because it's the newest, right? So it's the best until probably someone builds something. Uh, but, you know, 15 indoor lanes, 43 outdoor lanes, plus 15 outdoor strips in the middle block. Um, it's, it's unique to Cricket New South Wales because it's the first time we've had, if you like, a one-stop shop. It's the first time we've had a, a ground that we're able to play Sheffield Shield cricket on as well as WNCL uh, and a world-class training facility for our players. Uh, Mike, you probably remember the, the gym set up at the SCG yeah. where we took a couple of lanes in the indoor centre and put some machines in. Well, you know, this, this is this is world-class in terms of set-up. It's got aquatic facilities. We've got different types of soil. We've got wacker soil and gabba soil to try and replicate conditions. Um, and we've got our, our um, staff and our players mixing. So, for example, there's only one kitchen in the place, which is upstairs. And so, you know, three weeks ago, Mitch Stark and Nathan Lyon wandered up the stairs and had their lunch and uh, among the staff, and I think that's wonderful for us as an organisation. So we can we can have our young players training along, alongside. There's, out of those 15 indoor lanes, six are um, earmarked for high performance. But the other day, we had our breakers in there, our women's team, for example, there, and we had a pathway girls team training alongside them. So it's hugely exciting and, and um, you know, a lot of people have done a lot, a lot of work to get us, get us here. So, so really proud to be in there now.
Well, Lee, hopefully have a great summer of no COVID disruptions, junior cricket thriving, <laughs> suburban cricket thriving, no floods at Benson's Lane, pup. Yep. Keep it dry out at Benson. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. I would say junior cricket registrations uh, uh, back to pre-COVID levels, which is fantastic. Awesome. So we're, we're seeing some real interest in our game and big bash yearly tickets and memberships look strong. So, yeah, we're, re- we're really hopeful we're going to have a great a great summer of international, domestic and uh, club and community cricket. Fascinating chat, mate. Really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Lee Jamon there, the boss of Cricket New South Wales. Clark, you love what he said. I think that's a great solution. You've said it a million times. 2020 international cricket. Just don't play World it. Cup. Yeah, we don't need it. Play World Cup. Why do we need it? No, They're because... Meaningless. They've yeah. got no context well, to the matches. And, and what makes it different oh. is test cricket and one-day cricket. We'd help preserve them. At the moment, every every player is prioritising in those two formats, playing for their country. So no one's choosing mm. to play for New South Wales over Australia. They'd rather play a test match for Australia. The difference in 2020 cricket is everyone is prioritising domestic 100%. over international. So get rid of international T20s. Just have a World Cup. And a World Cup every four years. Not every two years. Every four years. T20 World Cup. Bit more room in the schedule for the players to play in these domestic tournaments. And again, example, the BBL, I want to see the best players in the world coming and playing in Australia. Mm. You know, I want to see the Australian players playing in the BBL as well. But yeah, um, and the other thing I did like, Lee's straight. I, I like Lee because he's honest. He always says it how it is. And I think he makes a good point about the franchise as well, about privatise. It's now time. BBL needs more money if you're going to compete with the other domestic competitions. You pay the same amount of money, the player will play here, I'm telling you. They'll play here. They won't go to the UAE. They won't go to South Africa. The Australian players will choose here and the internationals will choose here because Australia is such an amazing country to come to. But we've got to find a way to match the money. He's on top of things. He's on top of things. He's got strong personal views. And the other thing I like about him, there's no corporate speak there. No, he's straight. There's no buzzwords. There's no, you know, trying to convince you that he's he's very... Straight to the point, yeah. gets the message across, yeah. and everyone you know, understands where his thoughts are at. And, and, and wants to see Test Cricket very, be the number one priority. I love that. I love that thinking, because I still think it is. It's our pinnacle. It is what a player is judged on. You can have Chris Gale's record in T20 cricket, or you can have Brian Lara's Test record. I know who the world thinks is a better player. You're still judged on your test cricket. Yep. Yeah, we've got more trampoline assembly stories Sounds gone like wrong. We'll get to them. <laughs> trampoline and alcohol shouldn't go in the same sentence from what we've read this morning, you know? Brad Davidson, morning to you. Morning, guys. How are we going? Yeah, good. Thank you. Any good on a tramp, Davo, putting it together? Uh, mate, I back in the day, I used to get a bit of height, but uh, no, I'd, 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 my balance is shocking at the best of times, so I'd uh, be dangerous for me in a trampoline these days, that's for sure. All right, now away game. She's been a beauty and she's been retired to start. Yeah, that's uh, the news today, guys. Or yesterday, away game. Yep, after the uh, the run on the weekend, has been retired. So I mean, had a great career, didn't she? Over over the uh, for the years, a five year old, three point seven million dollars in earnings, and look after tailing off Andrew McEwen there on the weekend. The uh, the team obviously decided to. Uh, go to stud, and it's that time of the year that we that we start to lose a few of these uh, good mares, of course, off the off the stud. So I uh, had a terrific career, of course. Uh, uh, won the Magic Millions, and and right through, she was um, what, second in the Golden Slipper early days, and she's been so competitive right throughout the uh, pretty much every season. So a terrific mare, and uh, the latest, uh, to, I guess, we lose from the racetrack, but we look forward to following her progeny when she goes to the breeding mart. J Max in a good 
position, mate. He can choose between Enemo and Zaki. But if you were J-Mac, who are you jumping on board? Yeah, I heard him say in an article that, oh, gee, it's really tough. Yeah, I really feel sorry for you, J-Mac. I really do. You know, <laughs> it's uh, tough to make these decisions. But uh, Animo or Zaki, look, I think he's probably going to go with Animo, doesn't he? Um, I, I would think just being the, the younger horse. And look, they'll both dominant. Zaki was outstanding there on the weekend by assisted, but still a super performance, super return by him. And I, I just think Animo you would have to go with, with the one with factoring in. Maybe he's got a bit more upside. We know where Zaki's at. And, and, uh, you know, his level's going to be there, you would think, again this spring. But Animo's got that ability to keep on going. So I would think he'd definitely go Animo. But we'll, we'll wait to see if he's got to make that decision, whether those two horses clash in Sydney in a couple of weeks' time. So looking forward to seeing how all that plays out. But, yeah, I think it'll be Animo, personally. Who are you following out of the weekend? Look, I think there's a few. Uh, Benno was very good, obviously, the, the flashing light run. Or Eternal, I thought, was a sneaky run out the back for a little bit further, this preparation. But, look, I think you could be following a lot of horses back and wide there on the weekend. It was a day where you wanted to be closer to the rail. Uh, what are you putting in the bin? I'm going to put Profondo in the bin. He, I know he doesn't like wet tracks, but he's still doing a bit too wrong, too much wrong for me um, to be following him. So I think he's taking up a fair percentage of the market. And, uh, yeah, he's got to learn to relax and, and switch off, and he's not doing that at the moment. So we'll put him in the in the sin bin. Mate, Forgive? We'll, yeah, we'll forgive pretty much anything there off the rail, guys. It was Like I said, it was a, a pretty hot rail there at, at Randwick on Saturday. You had to be fencing runs. Um, there was only, I think, two winners off fence all day, and that was... Opal Ridge in the first and Eduardo, and they were really, well, I was going to say Eduardo was a firm favourite, but he, he drifted like the wind. But they were, you know, best horses in the race. And, and clearly, as we saw with Eduardo, how dominant he was as well. So I think you want to forgive any horse not on the fence and making runs down the middle there on the weekend because you just couldn't do it there at Randwick on Saturday. Thanks so much, Tava. Have a good day. Talk tomorrow. Cheers, guys.